Welcome back to the Church's Messy Podcast. I'm Svea Mary, and glad to be here with Pastor Rick Henderson. Hi, Rick. Hey, I'm excited. Uh, we thought that we were going to take a break for a little bit longer than we have been, but... Uh, but we, we're back. Yeah, we figured out a way to, to weave in um, some recording sessions in our summer schedule, and I, I'm excited to talk about some of the things that we have uh, queued up to talk about over the next several weeks. Well, I, and I'm really glad we're doing it, especially with this current sermon series on this this Look Up sermon series, because already, just two weeks into this at the time that we're recording this, I think this message series is striking a really good chord with people. It's, oh, oh, yeah. It's resonating well, and it would be a shame to not have the opportunity to talk a little bit more about it. Sure. More people are sending me emails, seems like, uh, than ever before. More people are wanting to talk and share their story and pray mm-hmm. after the service than ever before. So it's really encouraging to me. Um, I don't want to belabor that term too much, but it's really is encouraging to me to see how much encouragement people are finding uh, in God's Word and stuff uh, that uh, that we've woven into this series. So yeah, let's talk about that. I do want to say real quickly some kind of housekeeping stuff. We're somewhat uh, under renovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of restructuring and redesigning uh, the podcast, so to speak. And so if the intro doesn't sound quite right or the outro <laughs> doesn't sound uh, totally produced, we're going to get that dialed in over the next several weeks. And I look forward to... Uh, kind of relaunching how we do Church is Messy. It's going to be fun. We're listening to good intro music and and opportunities that way, and I look forward to the finished product. Yeah, it'll be fun. But but Church is Messy, and I'm glad that we're just continuing on with content rather than waiting for everything to be perfect before we do anything. That's right. It's not our goal to be like super showy or to build an an audience. There's no brand building going on here. Mm -hmm. My hope is, is that this is just a real benefit an asset to those who call Autumn Ridge Church home. If people who don't go to Autumn Ridge want to listen, hey, welcome. We're glad you're a part of this conversation, too. But really, I, I care about um, helping uh, the the folks who are who are part of our church go deeper in the message and to get some helpful tools in navigating some of the things that make life and church messy. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this Look Up series and maybe about the series in general and Mm -hmm. and some of the philosophy behind it, because I think two of the things that are really appealing to so many people right now is both this reminder of Mm -hmm. where our help comes from, taken from the theme verses of Psalm 121, 1 and 2, and then also by weaving in these Old Testament stories, mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful and uh, and descriptive depiction of people that are looking up. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So let me say this, and it's going to sound like I'm a heretic, and then I'll <laughs> hopefully save myself. The Old Testament is shockingly human. Mm. It's very human. It's just real. Now, <laughs> I don't mean that it's lacking. That's an aspect of the Bible that doesn't have divine inspiration. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, of course, it, it's inspired by God and preserved throughout time by God. And I'm so grateful for that. But what we see is real people mm. in real situations. And, and we we talk about them as stories because it's a story. Mm-hmm. We don't mean that it's not history. It is history, but we're, we're seeing the personal side. And not only do we get to better understand these individual people, I think when we read the Old Testament, we study the Old Testament, yes, we discover more about what God is like. We also discover more about what we are like. Mm. And if I could just be real without having to be too detail-oriented, my life is messy. I got messes <laughs> inside of myself. And, and I feel so incredibly encouraged as we dive into these stories. And there's people, they've just got junk in their life. They got hurt in their life. They got uh, weakness and vulnerability in their life. And 
God loves moving towards these people with his goodness and graciousness and his kindness. And mm. I, I need more of that. And, and I'm glad that people are appreciating getting a little bit more of that. Yeah. Now, I think people might be fascinated to know that uh, that you're not a last-minute guy. A lot of the sermon ser- series that we go through are things that you've had in the works for up to a, a year, year yeah. at a time, mm-hmm. and you had an entirely different message series planned for this summer. That's right. But by recognizing the current environment that mm-hmm. we're in and mm-hmm. the needs of people in our congregation, you chucked the plan that we had for summer, and the Look Up series uh, was something that you felt really God was putting on your heart to make the theme for the for the series. Do you want to say anything more about yeah, that? Yeah, I was I was laying in bed on a Sunday afternoon, mm. uh, taking kind of a golf nap, watching <laughs> golf, trying to fall asleep at the at the same time and and just feeling really conflicted mm. about um about this about this upcoming series. And um I was just like, I, I just don't think it's right. I mean, it's good material, it's good stuff for folks, but it doesn't seem to match what's happening right now. And what's happening right now is that there are heartbreaking stories in the news that just kind of keep coming out mm-hmm. about failures in church leadership and leadership in Christian organizations. And um, I recognize that there, are, there were some hurts and um, just real fatigue that people on our church staff were carrying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, well, what do they need right now? And then recognizing some fatigue in our church and then recognizing some some things that we had to go through with with something rather heartbreaking with one of our one of our own pastors and what what do I need? What do people need? And um, this is this is my first time being a a senior pastor, mm-hmm. a lead pastor mm-hmm. and and I felt this good kind of weight. Mm-hmm. Like God, I think I think I'm beginning to see what it means to be a pastor and how you want to use me um, to serve your bride right now. And this is a responsibility you've given me, and I, and I sense that you're you're pushing me to let go of the plans that I've made and trust you into doing something different. And I got up, and I opened up my laptop, and I just wrote out this mm-hmm. new series. Mm-hmm. Um, and Psalm 121 was on my mind. Um, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that, and I thought, well, let's, let's just spend some time on that. And um, there are so many stories of that through the Old Testament. And so let's just sit down, let's camp out in that, and let's tease it out, and let's, let's trace it out. And, and looking up to him um, as the source of our strength, means I'm trusting you, God, to do a work. I can't do it. I'm trusting you to act supernaturally in my life. And so we got into this a little bit in, in the week two of the message, and I don't I don't want to jump into that episode too much yet, but it's not about if I do these things, therefore my life is better. It's about what does it really mean to say, God, I'm trusting you here, and I'm looking up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, well, man. I think the way it's landing is so much more helpful than just the obvious immediate needs of mm-hmm. church staff or mm-hmm. people reacting to horrible things that are that we see in the news. Mm-hmm. But there's just such a general level of fatigue mm. after the last two years we've yeah. been through with COVID and and uh, with job struggles and political unrest and, and racial tensions. And yeah. it's just been an exhausting couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and in our community, in a medical community where there's been so much heavy weight on yeah. 
yeah. on such a disproportionate number of people. That was feeding into the way that 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 I felt too. I was talking to 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 someone whose spouse was in the medical field, and, and, and this guy's spouse was just she's just burnt out mm-hmm. from her responsibilities in the emergency department. And there are so many people in our community and in our church who mm-hmm. feel that. And how can we put wind in their sails? Yeah. Well, and in a beautiful way, our community has triumphed in so many ways over the last couple of years mm-hmm. of of being on the leading edge of of medical care. Yep. And uh, you know, and I think we've a lot of wonderful things have happened in this community, and we've got a lot to be proud of. But this is why I so much love that you picked the story of Elijah okay. to illustrate this, because Elijah emerged through an incredibly powerful spiritual experience mm-hmm. with tremendous victory, and then he just completely crashed. And and I think that may be a lot of where our people are right now. We've we've been putting it all out mm-hmm. there. We've been working hard. We've been continuing on and fighting through it, and there's just this exhaustion. There is at least a book, perhaps books, that could be written about what happens in 1 Kings 18 and 19. Mm. There's so, and, and one of the things that I think a lot of people inferred from the story, I didn't even have time in the message to talk about this, is we're incredibly vulnerable after a time of, of victory. Yeah, say we're, more about we're that. We're emotionally depleted. And I, I got to tell you, it was the... Ne- I, I was the next day after preaching this message we on on Elijah and we had a oh my goodness the music was beautiful in both services mm. the worship was phenomenal uh, the way that people were responding uh, to this story from God's word and mm-hmm. then later um, that uh, that evening we had a time of just people in our church got together and we basically did an unhurried prayer service yeah, it was which wonderful. I can't wait in, uh, for the next one to come and I was I was at a high mm-hmm. and the next day um, I was just tired like the good kind of tired but there were some stressors and mm-hmm. there's some brokenheartedness and I I I told my wife I said I'm in need of the message that I just preached. Like, I'm Elijah right now. I yeah. just had this great, victorious experience, and I'm now I'm just vulnerable because I'm emotionally spent. Yeah. So it, if you could rewind a week, yeah. is there something that you would say to yourself a week later, right, right as you were about to hit that crash, or is there advice you might have for someone else that's coming off of some kind of a spiritual high that could help us ground ourselves or maybe be prepared for that or avoid it or is that just part of the process i think it's part of the process we're not listen communicate those of us who communicate for a living we're not supposed to be the hero of our own story (laughs) i will say this i've gotten this wrong enough times that going into this message by god's grace i had enough wisdom to tell myself don't be surprised if you feel vulnerable the Mm. next day Mm -hmm. and when i saw it i felt ready for it and that only came through bruises, right? I learned that lesson the the hard way. I had to I had to be taught that lesson multiple times before it before it's before it sunk in. And I I felt ready. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I did feel ready to be in a more kind of emotionally uh, vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. But I, I think though I I appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think we also do well um, as as spiritual leaders mm-hmm. to to encourage people going through something. You know, yeah. Like later this summer, we're going to have a, a large outdoor baptism event that we're very much looking forward to. And, and I think it is kind to warn someone mm-hmm. after they're going through a, a 
quote-unquote mountaintop experience, mm-hmm. such as baptism or, or something else that would be tremendously valuable and important in their life, to just be on the, on the lookout for yeah. that. Yeah. And so, yes, absolutely. When you have time, look ahead, plan out when you're going to be tired. You know when you're going to be tired. If you, if you have a—I'm uh, just going to pick my life for, because, it's, because this is the thing that I'm most familiar with. Like if I know that I'm in a busier season where I'm working a little bit longer hours and I don't have as much downtime, I know that when I'm, uh, when I'm tired, uh, when I'm hungry, when I'm lonely, where I know those things that I am vulnerable— um, it, to, to, to various temptations. I'm vulnerable to, um, forgetting that my emotions don't tell me the truth about reality. They tell mm. me the truth about what I feel. They're not telling me the truth necessarily about the, about the external world. And so we look for times in your life where you're like, I'm probably going to be tired here. Well, what are you going to have in place to protect you? Mm-hmm. How are, how, how are you going to, how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just part of, that's part of wisdom. Yeah. Am I being too vague? Does that need a little bit more? No, because I'm not sure it's a formula. That it's yeah, it's no, not going to be the same thing it's for not every a person. But there was a comment you made in the message that I thought was very helpful, and it was something I needed to reflect on myself for a while. When you said, speaking of Elijah being at this point mm-hmm. of just extreme fatigue, yeah. you said God doesn't treat fatigue like failure. Yeah, and even when we do fail, He responds with friendship. Yes, absolutely. And I thought that was very powerful. I think it's for me. I'm just going to speak for me. I don't want to put this on anybody else. Sometimes when I feel just tired and worn down, sometimes it feels like the same thing, like I failed. And, and, and I don't know that I can, that I can totally explain that. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm a firstborn. (laughs) Maybe it's because, um, I, I have a tendency to want to define myself by my accomplishments. Maybe it's because I'm an INTJ or an Enneagram one or the combination of all of those things Mm. and other things as well that I always want to be strong and resolute and ready to go and always have the answer. Um, I never want anybody to think that I'm not enough. I never want to be exposed. And it's in those times that I'm just super tired. It's like, I just don't have anything else to give. And that feels like I always have to be on Mm -hmm. and I always have to be able to give, but that's God. Role. Yeah. That's not how he designed me. That's not how he designed people. We get tired. Even yeah. even youths grow weary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. We're we're intentionally designed to need the encouragement and the rest and the comfort and the renewal that he gives. And when I forget that, my goodness, I'm trying to I'm trying to take his role, not the role that he created mm. for me. And I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm spider webbing here, if I'm even actually answering the the question. That you gave, but yeah, it's okay to be tired. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say I've run out of toughness right now. Well, what really speaks to me in this part of the mm-hmm. passage in God's response was not Elijah, wake up, or Rick, mm-hmm. you know, come on, get back up on your feet. Yeah, we need you. We need you here, being our mm-hmm. fearless leader. Yeah, God responds in this passage with such gentleness. Yeah, shocking level of gentleness. Yeah. Shocking level of gentleness. And I wish that, listen, if maybe if I preached for an hour and a half, I'd have time to say all that I wanted to say. Fewer people would probably come. <laughs> but my mind immediately went to um, Jesus on the beach cooking breakfast oh. for the disciples. They were in the same kind of emotional place before a much longer time that Elijah, that Elijah was. 
they thought Jesus was dead. They didn't believe in the—they they didn't understand what was going on. They thought that their life was over. They thought their ministry was over. They went back to catching fish. Mm-hmm. And what did they discover? After a hard night of work, and they're on their way in, Jesus is on the beach, and he's made them breakfast. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Yeah. the how, That was—it's not a different version of God, and it's not a different God— that it's that is God. That's God. Yeah. Provide the provide the the warm bread, as the as the one making mm-hmm. making breakfast on the beach for the disciples. That's how he is. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a church culture, and I want to rescue. I will spend the rest of my life trying to rescue people from this. I grew up in a church culture that painted God as eager to hit us, mm. eager to smack us for saying the wrong thing, for doing the wrong thing, for not being enough, eager to pour out his displeasure Mm -hmm. and hesitant, hesitant to pour out his kindness. And Jesus proves that God is just the opposite. But you don't have to wait until Jesus shows up in the New Testament. You can see him doing that in the Old Testament as Mm -hmm. well. And that's what what I want to say. That God is eager to pour out his kindness and his goodness and his gentleness. not eager to pour out his wrath of anything. He's, it's the exact opposite. He's patient and builds up for a long time. Yeah. It's constantly being held back, and people are, giving, um, people are given opportunities over and over and over again uh, to repent and to, and to turn to him. He's always quick to love. He's slow in judgment. Well, it's very explicit in this passage in the way that God was dealing with Elijah was that he's still a god of great power mm-hmm. and sovereign control over everything, including over all of creation and nature. We see this is kind of a weird scene that you're building up to. <laughs> the, the scene about how God chooses to yeah to to meet Elijah where he is yeah yeah because in in First Kings nineteen it describes this where he, the Lord tells Elijah to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord where he's about to pass by and he mm-hmm. comes by. There's a great and powerful wind that tears mm-hmm. the mountains apart. I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah. If you stop and think about that. And then after the wind, there's an earthquake. And after the earthquake, there's a fire. Yeah. I mean, I would be shaken in my boots at Dramatic that point. Dramatic displays of power. Yeah. But it says very, very clearly that that's not where God was seeking to meet with Elijah in these dramatic displays of power, but that rather he met him in this gentle whisper. Yeah. Yeah. How beautiful is mm-hmm. that? Yeah. God's presence was found in something that was tender, not in something that was dramatic and overwhelming mm-hmm. and powerful. And uh, I, I can't remember if it's just something that I wrote and I never actually said, or did I actually say it out loud, but God's not in everything he sends. Mm. Uh, well, what does that mean? Yeah, explain that. <laughs> well... In some ways, it might be best to, to understand it like this, that God isn't known and discovered and related to, right, in everything that he sins, it, in the displays of his power and, and all of that kind of stuff, that there is no relational on-ramp for Elijah in those moments. He sees what God is able to do, 
but that's not how he gets to know him and experience him mm. and encounter him in a real relational sense. That's not how God is asking that's Elijah what, to relate to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. It's I I don't you you can admire him, can respect him, could even could even fear him, but you don't know him. Mm. Um, for us to know God, he has to close the gap. He's got to come to us, um, and he's got to he's got to um, make it possible in a way that doesn't that doesn't overwhelm us. Mm-hmm. He's he's got to do all the hard work, and that often looks like uh, tenderness and gentleness. I think it's really I think it's really telling that Jesus came as an infant, that Jesus came in in vulnerability. That came in vulnerability. I think it's because God is saying, "You need me to come to you in this way." Mm. That we don't, we don't, we don't relate to Him through rage. We don't relate to Him through, um, I guess, a tornado, an earthquake, a firestorm. I mean, I, 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 but th- there's no relational interaction there. Mm-hmm. It's Him choosing to soften. It's kind of like a parent, whether it's a mother or a dad, who gets down on the floor. With their with their little child, and that's how God is with us. Mm. That's how that's how we know Him, and mm. uh, that's what we that's what we need. I I don't know. Maybe I'm fumbling through this. Maybe that's not clear enough. I, well, here's what I'd love you to say. Think yeah. of the person right now who is feeling like Elijah, or mm-hmm. just just used up, yeah. and out of gas, mm-hmm. and and what we're talking about now sounds great, but. It's easier to see an earthquake or the fire or something massive and powerful, mm, yeah. but this this ache that we all have to encounter God in the gentle whisper, how do we see that? How do we find that? How do we make sure we're not missing it or mistake it for something else? What, uh, what advice might you have for someone who's just desperate to hear that gentle whisper from God? Well, first off, let's, let's pause and make sure that we understand that just this gentle whisper that Elijah heard was an actual whisper that he heard. Um, this isn't describing some internal emotional or internal mental state. Mm, mm-hmm. It's an actual audible voice of God that didn't thunder from the heavens, but whispered to him in gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is... Um, not helpful at all to try to encourage believers to go out and try to find that experience. I would almost be akin to saying, hey, um, you need to go out and be blinded by a light and hear a voice from heaven that, <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that your you'll, life is contradicting You'll know Jesus. God's acting once you build a big boat and right. gather a bunch of animals yeah. and then you'll see him. <laughs> How has God promised yeah. that, he wants to com- that he will communicate to us? It's through his written word. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how we can be, we have confidence in how God has communicated to us through his written word. And it, Jesus promised that that the Holy Spirit would illuminate that for us, that that's part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to, as he's reminding us that we are loved, uh, that we are children of God, that there's no condemnation for us, that we are that we are safe in Christ. This comes through the reading of, of the word. Mm. And we read some of these stories and we want, I could, I get it. Wouldn't it be great if I had this kind of sensational experience? That's just not what's promised to us. Mm. What's promised to us is that we can truly know and be known 
by the God who made the universe, Mm -hmm. by the God who made us in his image, by the God who made sure that we could see him, that that God in the form of a human person, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ came and lived um, a life of love and gentleness and kindness, taking on all the wrath and punishment for sin, and in exchange giving us everything that he deserves. We know all that through reading Mm. the word. We encounter all of that um, through the word. You want to know Jesus? Know the word. You want to experience Jesus? Engage his word. It's not going out and looking for sensational experiences. And I think Go and talk to mature believers. Talk to people who have been in the pit, people who've lived through messes and heartache, and they will tell you that God has comforted them with his word, not by manufacturing another kind of sensational experience. Mm. That's tremendously helpful. I, 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 I hope so. And some people, I don't know, maybe they would say, that's disappointing. I want that. I Listen, the beauty of God's word is that it's preserved for us and that it's fixed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's there and it's, we don't have to sit around and wait for something to happen. We don't have to to read signs or kind of decode experiences. It's there for us. Um, and he has made sure that we have everything we need for life and godliness. It's there. Mm-hmm. And so avail yourself to that. The Holy Spirit loves to use truth. Mm-hmm. His favorite tool to use is God's word. And the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God. It stands forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, bringing it back to the theme verse, mm-hmm. Psalm 121, this would be a great place for someone to start if they're just looking for, mm-hmm. where do I go in the word to find this? It's just such a wonderful remember re- reminder. Absolutely. That as we look up to the mountains, mm-hmm. it causes us to remember, where does our help come from? That's right. The same God who was there and gentle and kind for Elijah is the exact same God who is for you. Mm. And uh, look out and trust in him. I'm excited for the rest of the series. Thank you, Rick. All right. Thanks, Faith.